0: Welcome to this week's episode of the Upper Room Family Podcast. I'm David.
1: And I'm Julie. There we go, a little delayed. You never do that. (laughs) You haven't figured this out yet. Mixing it up. And I'm like looking, my nose is in a book right now. I'm not even paying attention.
0: She's already studying up for this week's topic. Um, We're going to talk about purity culture and sexual purity as far as it relates to um, relationships and I think specifically uh, the courting process. I guess uh, what do I want to say? Just the the courting process, and also I think you know just sexual purity in marriage and what that looks like as well. Mm-hmm. So I uh, just wanted to start off um, again. I hope that um, you know our words are representative of our King and Lord, and uh, that we uh, use Scripture and stand on the authority of it. So First Corinthians uh, chapter six verse um, eighteen says, "Flee from sexual immorality." Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. So we are to flee sexual immorality, and I think that's a great place to start with our conversation on purity culture. Um, Some of you may or may not have grown up in purity culture, or maybe that's a new term for you. Uh, I think this was exactly the time period where I was in uh, youth groups, right? So... We're talking uh, 90s, a little bit uh, later in the 90s, maybe early 2000s. You may have heard of like purity rings or purity pledges. Uh, And I think that as Christians and even as a culture, um, it can be really easy to throw stones, (laughs) right, in the church that you grew up in. Uh, Are there downsides to um, to how uh, I think purity culture may have missed the mark a little bit? Absolutely. Is there um, opportunities for us to, um, relive some of those moments and to, uh, reject some of the false claims or false, uh, principles there. Absolutely. But I think there's a lot that is redemptive. I do think purity culture, uh, in a way, uh, was <laughs> their primary message was flee sexual immorality, um, and don't have sex before marriage. But I think it fell short in that it didn't really address, um, you know, they always always the question in the quiet parts of youth group was, well, then what what can we do as a as a relationship? Right. Because
1: like, you don't think of sexual immorality being what the Greek word is, which is porneia, which is like pornography. And so that's not like the first thing that comes to mind. And there's a lot of people out there that, oh, that's not a you know, they don't view pornography as a as a problem and that's one of the translations of sexual immorality or carousing or reveling um when they have the long lists of things in the flesh so yeah i know like how far is too far you know what what can we do as if that were the goal in life
0: yeah yeah the the greek word was porneia and uh it includes everything that essentially was not uh sexual relations between a husband and wife in that culture so you know, in conversation these days, you may hear the argument, "Well, Jesus never uh, said um, homosexuality or uh, pornography was was wrong. Um, however, <laughs> uh, there's all kinds of scripture to back the lust of the flesh. And you know, pornography certainly fits that mark. But this word, sexual immorality, that's used in the New Testament, Um, definitely addresses all of those. Uh, It includes everything from adultery to incest, incest, um, idolatry, temptation to and of sexual immorality. Um, We could go into all kinds of other uh, root, you know, that's the root word. There's all kinds of derivatives that also include uh, even more graphic. And since this is a family podcast, I'll try to (laughs) Um, oh yeah. <laughs> keep it uh, keep it somewhat uh probably PG-13 for this episode, but um you know, it it definitely covers uh the gamut when it comes to um sexual purity.
1: And I mean, I just think about 1 Peter one fifteen and 6 where it says be holy because I am holy. And then further down, um you have been purified by obeying the truth. So if if you desire to be like God, then be holy about it. And um, it was interesting. Um, we were talking, I mean, to obviously unmarried uh, students at this panel that we were at. And um, so we we're just talking about like, what is it to be a, you know, a person who's a virgin or not a virgin, you know, whatever, where you are right now, cleansed in the blood of Jesus Christ, purified, redeemed. You've, you've decided, you know, from this point on, I am. I want to be holy, like Jesus is holy. And I, I was looking through, and I just need to give a shout out to some listeners. Um, they sent us an amazing box full of books yesterday. And I had to tell you, but um, if you listen, you'll know. They got us a whole bunch of books, and one of them was "Recovering Biblical Manhood and Womanhood" uh, by John Piper and Wayne Grud, Grudem. Grudem. I don't know his last name, but anyways. Um, I was just doing some reading today, and one of the questions is How can a single woman enter into the mystery of Christ and the church if she's never experienced marriage? And I know a lot of the concerns of the girls that were there is like, We're not married yet, um, but we want to be. Um, so, how, you know, purity, how do, you know, you got to, that's a struggle. It's not easy when you desire to be married um, to live in that constant just, I don't know, tension, I guess, of wanting. So I love this quote that they put to answer that question from Elizabeth Elliot, who is one of my heroes. I never met her, but I've read so many of her books. And so if you need a spiritual mentor, ladies, Elizabeth Elliot is one one place to go. And what she said was, the gift of virginity given to everyone to offer back to God for his use is a priceless and irreplaceable gift. It can be offered in the pure sacrifice of marriage, or it can be offered in the sacrifice of life's celibacy. Does this sound just too, too high and holy? But think for a moment. Because the Virgin has never known a man, she is free to concern herself wholly with the Lord's affairs, as Paul said in First Corinthians 7, and her aim in life is to make herself holy. Holy in body and spirit she keeps her heart as the bride of christ in a very special sense and offers to the holy holy heavenly bridegroom alone all that she is and has when she gives herself willing to willingly to him in love she has no need to justify herself to the world or to the christians who plague her with questions and suggestions in a way not open to the married woman her daily living sacrifice is a is a powerful and humble witness, radiating love. I believe she may enter into the mystery more deeply than the rest of us. So Paul does say for for the unmarried virgins and unmarried, there you get to totally dedicate yourself in purity to God and not be distracted by um, having a husband. Because it's so true when you're married, your concerns are to your spouse um a lot of the time and then to your children and so if you're single i just want to say you are you have the freedom to totally dedicate your life to christ in a way that a lot of us can't and so remain pure in in your body and also your mind and all other things you can think of but, yeah
0: good word julie um, yeah i think you know purity culture if we just step back to that um, I think it goes far beyond, you know, just don't have sex before marriage. I think, um, I'm sure, actually, that it was communicated that we should be pure in our thoughts and uh, that we should abstain from all things. But um, I think it made the goal or the the goalpost of getting married and then you can have sex. And so I think a lot of individuals uh, may have pushed marriage too quickly just so that they could, um, you know, embrace each other physically. Uh, where, if you look at a healthy marriage, you know physical intimacy is probably at the top of the pyramid, but not the foundation of it.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: you know, I think what I hope that my children and and those that we had a chance to communicate to would understand that that your spiritual foundation and then your uh, relationships and and just being with each other, um, you know, just enjoying activities and enjoying being a part of each other's lives. Uh, you know those things are more foundational because if your uh if your pyramid is built on sexuality um you know it's a it's going to come crumbling down at some point and you're going to have to try to either rebuild it or unfortunately you know marriages do fall apart due to um you know that um that poor, uh, poor construction method of, of placing too much emphasis on your sexuality together uh, versus your spiritual and physical or spiritual and uh, emotional relationship with one another. Because I I think sexuality and and your sexual intercourse is a culmination of all of those other emotions that are within you, that um, you really have a lot of deep intimacy when you're in the scripture together, when you're emotionally um, serving one another and living as biblical men and and women. Um, You know, I think if you actually truly do function in those roles, the physical intimacy part is a natural byproduct because the two of you are are so close in so many ways and you just want to experience being closer.
1: Yeah. And I I mean, we talked about that. Sex, sex is a good gift from God. Okay. But it's not to be an idol. It is not our salvation. You know, you need to be, you need to have a higher view of the body and higher view of marriage that we talked about last week about building relationships. I, you know, before you even consider asking uh, to, To be courting or engaged, that you hang out your friends, because in the end, when we talked to Grandma and Grandpa a few weeks ago, you know, I don't know where they're at, and I'm not going to presume, but just you know, they said their love is deeper now than ever, and they're in their late eighties and nineties, and it's just so sweet to have that, and I mean, I'm, it just you, I want that for everybody and for ourselves, and. And so certain things will slow down um, as you get older and your energy levels and all that and just how the body responds. And so you need to have, you know, a good friendship and built up and just a mutual affection for one another in a way that's deeper than the physical, for sure. But not to say, you know, sex is a good gift from God um, in marriage, and um, there are some points we gave to the students was, you know, it's to fulfill God's command to be fruitful and multiply. I mean, a man and a woman can create a nation together. Adam could not do that alone. Uh, God didn't put another man in the garden. He could have put a lot of men in the garden, but that would not have made a nation. He made a woman. Mm -hmm. And with her, they were able to create nations. And we can still do that through um, having children and multiplying and being fruitful in that way. And, then... and
0: that wasn't just a command for Adam and Eve. That was a command for mankind. And it's you see that over and over uh, in Scripture in, in Jeremiah, uh, the early verses of 29, it says, Do not decrease in number to give your, give your sons in marriage, give your daughters in marriage, to take wives for yourselves, mm-hmm. um, you know. Do not, you know, to be in the land and do not decrease. Well, that means be prolific, have children. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we see that children are a blessing from the Lord. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver, you know, with his children. Mm-hmm. Those verses, you know, continue to, um, I think, just um, validate that we are um, we are to populate the earth and we are to take dominion over it and um, have
1: many, many children together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we shouldn't have stopped at four, Dave. What were we thinking?
0: (laughs) Adoption's an option. That's a whole Um, other
1: episode. But anyways, and then um, I was just thinking the next one, just with sex being a good gift from God, is to knowing your spouse, being naked and unashamed. Um, We live in a culture, we're talking about purity, where they try to divide the body into the physical needs and then your emotional needs. You can't do that. You can't do that. To you need sex is about knowing the whole person mind body and soul and emotions it's everything um you can't separate somebody's always getting hurt and um so to really know your spouse physical unity and with everything from the mind and the emotions and that is so, so important
0: yeah so on that um if we continue to read more in first corinthians 6 uh, specifically here uh, verse 16 Um, But I want to go back just a little bit. Um, It says in verse 13, food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food. And God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord. And the Lord is the body. Uh, And if we uh, just take a little bit of a jump here, well, we'll just keep reading. And God raised the Lord and, and, and will. Also, raise us up by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Okay, here we start getting into familiar territory where we've probably heard that verse over and over again, but don't lose the power within it just because of the familiarity. Uh, So, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. And then right here, you know, those who say that, oh, sex is just, um, it's just a physical act. There's no emotion involved. We're not connected in any way. It's just a one-time thing. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two will become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. So, you know, I think that that verse is clearly saying that there is a bonding between a man mm-hmm. and a woman when you have intercourse together. Um, that's not to say that there can't be redemption for you if if you haven't followed this, or maybe you weren't a Christian, um, you know, until later in life and you didn't follow this pathway. There, There's redemption for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but right. I, I think when you are in the Christian faith, and as we're talking about raising children, raising young men and women, talking about these, uh, you know, very meaningful and important topics, we need to also stress that, you know, d- don't don't kid yourself. Don't believe these lies in the culture that this is just a physical thing. This, You know, it's okay to, um, you know, it's okay to go this far or it's okay to, you know, just, you know, have sex before marriage, the try before you buy, put it in your shopping cart before you buy it. Like that, those are lies and don't ever believe the lie that um, sexual intercourse is just, um, you know, a a physical act to meet a physical need. It's not, it's so much more than that.
1: Yeah, because your body, your body can't lie. And so when you connect with somebody else in that way, the chemistry of your body, your body is releasing different hormones. The woman has hers uh, and the man has theirs and your body is hormonally connecting and bonding. And so while your brain might be telling you this isn't, this is meaningless, your body doesn't, it, it responds the way God created it to. And um, so I know the woman hormone, I think it's oxytocin. Um, it's a bonding hormone chemical that the, you know, and it, it's the same chemical that releases when a woman is nursing her mm-hmm. baby yep. and gives, it's this bonding that the woman would bond with her child. So your bo- are imprinting yeah if you think of those and it happens imprinting. also with intimacy. so um, so, yeah, you your body can't lie even though you you're lying to yourself. So I just want to challenge you on that one for sure. and then um, and then the third thing about the good gift is that you're it's a living picture of Christ and the relationship with the church. And so that is as if as Christians, that is what we want to model. I mean, talking about, you know, the husband being the head of the wife and Christ is the head of the husband and the head of Christ is God. Like, uh, that is just a beautiful thing. And, and, um, just how much the husband should love and, uh, love his wife and cherish her and honor her and the wife respect her husband. And, you know, it's a beautiful picture of Christ loving the church and sacrificing himself for her and the church respecting him and vice versa. Quote. yeah, the marriage. Yes, and that's why, yeah. that's what it represents. You got lost, didn't you?
0: I, I did. I did. <laughs> um, because I think, I think you, can't, you shouldn't make the, you need to be careful about making um, the sex and marriage interchangeable. So I think it's different. You know, like, you know, yeah, Christ is the, the bridegroom and the church is the bride.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and there's an intimacy there but i it's it's not sexual in nature,
1: no, it's just it's it's a mirror of his love for his church, right right, yeah, yeah. it's an example of it. It's a mystery that we don't quite understand, Paul says it's a mystery, <laughs> you know, but anyways, so, and then I also just um was just thinking about just sexual immorality um in in ephesians five it it goes into. Uh, Follow God's example, therefore, as deeply loved children and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people, nor should there be obscenity Foolish talk or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. So, I mean, that's a big call. I remember the first time I read that, I was just like, oh, man, like everything around me turns into some sort of, you know, sexual innuendo and joking and, and, you know, just, you know, as God's holy people, that's something we really should think about. And the way we talk to each other and what we say and what we listen to, um, because that, that's a call out for sure when it comes to purity of speech. And that can happen well, before or after marriage and just something to think about for sure.
0: Yeah. Where did you finish off?
1: I finished off at... Uh, verse 4. Yep. Verse 4. You could keep going. There's yeah, so much in there. I, I
0: think we have to. So, you know, one of the things as you're reading scripture, I think is important to continue, just read, you know, even though you might have a... a, a you know, a text that you really want to pull out, make sure that you read kind of through the text, right? These, uh, the Ephesians here, right. Was a letter written, right. Without chapters and verses and numbers. So make sure, you know, when you're reading to to just include that they're great reference points. Um, and it's very helpful, but, uh, I'm going to keep reading for, you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, um, That is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of God or Christ. Let no one deceive you with empty words. Hello, culture, trying to deceive you with empty words that that have no basis, no standard of any kind. Uh, For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Um, Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. you know, I think this is just so important. If you are battling against sexual uh, temptation and sin, you have to bring that into the light. And how do you do that? You have to have accountability with uh, peers of yours, but also with, uh, I think, church elders, church leaders. Uh, bring it into the light it means don't try to battle this yourself in darkness. Um, you you can't, right? Uh, you're not strong enough, no matter how much you think you might be. Uh, you're just not, and. Uh, The only strength that you have to overcome is Christ and through, um, I believe, you know, leaning in on your elders uh, of the church and, um, and, you know, again, having mentors, having spiritual mentors in your life to be able to reconcile with one another, to encourage one another. Uh, We're called to encourage one another uh, in truth and you know, this culture is going to try to tell you, they're going to be deceivers. Uh, and so do not be deceived with empty words or empty promises, empty doctrines that have no substance to stand on. Um, you know, and when it says, bring it into the light, you know, who's the light? Jesus is the light. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in, in his light, darkness cannot stand. I, I love a, a family verse of ours that, um, helped, um, you know, our family through a, a pretty dark time. And it's, um, You know, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot comprehend. uh, Some translations say overcome it. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, just put a We're we're sitting here in the upper room finally, uh, and it's dark outside and we've got one little light because I haven't wired in any electric hardly. uh, And there is uh, just no doubt that light pierces through the darkness.
1: Yeah. And just knowing that you have been liberated from the sinful and destructive patterns of life because of Jesus Christ there is redemption. I know David was reading in 1 Corinthians 6, uh, on in verse 11, after it says, all these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And and uh, Paul says, and that is what some of you were, but you were washed, and you were sanctified, and you were justified in the name of Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. So that is a healing message of the gospel, that, that we can um, you can be set free you are free you just have to choose to believe that Jesus Christ has taken that on the cross for you and you can walk in newness of life being transformed in your thinking as you learn God's word and apply it moment by moment mm-hmm. fleeing from the temptation cuz temptation is not the sin it's it's when you take that temptation and it births itself into sin when you act on it cuz satan's trying to take us down all the time and he knows you better then you know yourself. And so you've got, I sometimes say you've got three seconds when that temptation comes to your mind to, to flee, take it captive and take it captive, make
0: it force it to be obedient to Christ. Yeah. Um, I think here is where we talked a little bit about pornography and it's, um, the statistics in the church and outside the church and, uh, specifically in, in my world, um, you know, men who are struggling with that, even men in the church, even church pastors and elders. Uh, I think you know, on an in, independent and anonymous survey, had indicated that they, um, you know, they are guilty of of that sin of of looking at pornography, and um, that's a really unfortunate thing in in the church that we do not stand out uh, any you know to any significance. And so, you know, men, if you're struggling with that. I just want to encourage you a couple practical steps, no phone in the bedroom. Like if you are there uh, at home, uh, just take your phone, put it out in the kitchen. When you go to bed, it stays out there. Um, I think another thing to is just watch what you're consuming. Uh, These algorithms on your social media know you way better than you even think you might know yourself. And so all it takes is for you to spend a little bit extra time on a bikini clad woman And it's going to start feeding you more of that, more of that, more of that until your arousal, um, you know, just goes and and you go to try to look at something um, that's a little bit more graphic and, um, you know, appeal to your own fleshly desires. Uh, Those are two real practical steps. I think, you know, another one um, is just to, um, you know, not be alone with with girls, uh, especially, you know, ones that you're courting uh, you know, set clear boundaries from the start of your relationship, uh, honor your mother and father. And, um, you know, if you start your relationship by saying, okay, this woman may be somebody that I, um, end up marrying. So her parents are now my mother and father and are are what we doing here. Is that honoring to them? If they knew what we were doing, does that honor them? And I think, you know, we all know as men, like, the The laws of God and and God's desires are written on our heart. We know, you know what's too far. You know this when somebody asks the question, "Okay, well, don't have sex." Okay, I signed a pledge saying that. Well, how far can? What is acceptable then? That's totally the wrong question to be asking. Um, so, uh, in, in all purity, right and. We can do that. We can be difference makers in our culture. We can do things differently. And, you know, Julie and I, if we could go back, we would do things differently. We, um, you know, we were not, you know, to the letter of what we're explaining here because we didn't have this understanding. I don't think that we um, or maybe we did and we just suppressed it. But uh, maybe we didn't realize the importance of it uh, and some of the challenges that it faced. Right. Um, just watch what you're consuming. Even as a young married couple, you know, we were consuming television and entertainment that was highly sexualized mm. and had, you know, nudity scenes and sex scenes. And uh, it still, it creates a problem within marriage. And if you think that your struggle with pornography now, and you're going to get married and that struggle is going to go away, you are absolutely being deceived uh, by the word. And um, I just want to encourage you that you need to put that lie to rest. Or yeah, that lie to rest.
1: Nail the coffin.
0: Nail it in the (laughs) coffin and bury it six feet under the ground.
1: And knowing that um, there are people here to support you. You know, it can be lonely, I think, at times when, you know, you're the only one choosing to make, you know, those different choices because it's it's everywhere.
0: Or if you mess up, it's shameful, right? And I, I do think there's a little value in some shame. I think, you know, one of the things with purity culture is it created a culture of shame around anything physical. And, you know, I, I agree with that, but I also think it kept me from further shame.
1: (laughs) Right. And I know there's, I can't remember the exact verse. I think it's in Colossians, but just, you know, do you want that if if Jesus were to come right now, would you want to be caught in that moment of shame? You know, we are to be holy as God, as God's holy people and be holy as I am holy. That's the verse. And so, um, yeah, I agree with you, Dave, on, you know, our conscience, God gave us that to know good and to know what was right and wrong. And, um, you, you nailed it on the head. It's written on our hearts. So.
0: All right. Well, we're about at our self-imposed 30 minute time, (laughs) time slot for listening to this episode. Uh, just thank you. Thank you for your um, sharing of the podcast. Uh, We've seen some good growth uh, and these uh, more meaningful, maybe even a little bit controversial topics seem to be um, really striking a chord with you all. So uh, if you have a different opinion, if you have um, some things for us that that maybe we didn't consider or we didn't, uh, you know, I don't express or I don't uh, profess to be, you know, the authority on this, right? We're I think, learning too. I think God's God's the authority, and we're trying to seek and know Him with all of our heart. And uh, and in that, you know, you will you'll you get to know Him. You don't always have to find yourself. Uh, you're told not to seek, and and you shall find yourself. No, seek, and you shall find God. So that's what we're trying to do here on this podcast. That's what we're trying to um, just have a conversation and put it out there for you all to consider. And we'd love to hear from you. So. Uh, Reach out, tell us what you think about this episode, and we'll see you on the next week's episode. Thanks for listening.